Hey, welcome to the Words First podcast. We talk about marketing, story brand, words, messaging, all of the things that go into, especially the the communication side of marketing. I typically talk to story brand guides, and today is different. I'm not talking to a story brand guide, but I am talking to a former story brand guide who is very familiar with story brand, and he's taken, he's got some 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 ideas about what is your business? What happens to your business when you apply story brand, both good and bad? And so I'm excited to hear some of the the worst case scenario stories. I think this will be a super interesting conversation. Nathan Riches, do you go by Nate or do you always go by Nathan? You know, I go by whichever. There's usually another Nathan in the crowd somewhere. So Nate, Nathan, Nate Dog, whatever I, works. My brother's name is Nate. We we call him Nate. But okay. Nathan Riches, what yes. is your story? You, how, where, what are you thinking about now? How'd you get here? Yeah. Just kind of in the context of this conversation, what's it most important to know? Yeah, so I have spent, I'm coming up on 20 years now of working in the business event space. So I've spent my mm -hmm. entire life and career, it seems like, working for business seminars, presenters, helping business leaders become thought leaders, uh, just also working in the event space as well. And so as it pertains to kind of the words and how do you get how do you say the things that get people to purchase and buy? You know, that's that's been my life of taking people and their 30 years worth of expertise and condensing it down to a 10 minute speech on stage to get them to buy the next thing. So that has been my life. I was a story brand guide for about five years. And in the last two years, I've kind of made the switch to more of a business strategy role and more of helping mm -hmm. people think about their business in a holistic way. Saw a lot of great things with StoryBrand, but just kind of felt like there was there was more work that needed to be done and different kinds of work that I'm more skilled mm -hmm. at than just the messaging and marketing. I'd rather, I, you know, I was, I was a terrible StoryBrand guide because I would just bring other story brand guides in to do all the marketing work for me because I would, I, I was, I'm great at some of it, but I was more of the bigger picture mm. and strategy kind of a guy. Well, so let's get into that. One thing I've noticed as I've worked with a lot of folks on their story brand messaging is that it's an interesting entry point into the business. But once you mm -hmm. start talking about your messaging, other things come up. You realize, oh man, our the way we deliver our services needs to change if we're going to make these claims in our messaging or like this is how we really want to be the guide, but we've always been you know, the hero. And that isn't just about language, but sometimes it's about business model or sometimes yeah. it's about, I mean, it even brings up questions of, you know, do we have the right people in the right seats and, and all of this stuff. So it, story brand is when you do that kind of deep work. And I think anytime you do that mm -hmm. sort of, I'm going to sit down and really think about my business. It doesn't necessarily like stay contained to the thing that you're working on, which, you know, yeah. the story brand is usually messaging, but it but it can impact other things. And so I've I've been seeing you talk on LinkedIn and you've been developing kind of a framework that that maybe I don't know, has has a has a, a way to think about this. Can you explain what it is that you've been kind of putting together on th that stuff? Yeah, and that's exactly what got me thinking about this is sitting down and working with these business owners on their messaging, you know, typically they would come to us and say, my website's broke. I, I can't explain what it is I need done. Can, I've, I've read this book. I've heard about this story brand thing. Can mm -hmm. you sit with us and work through it? 
And a good majority of the time, as we sit down, these business owners just could not fill in the blanks. All right, what's your what's your product? Well, you know, it, it's kind of hard to say. Okay, who's who's the hero? Who's the customer? Who are we talking about? Well, you know, we're not quite sure. You, you know, I, I had I had one company actually in the Story Brand workshop. I was helping facilitate the workshop, and these these three gentlemen. One said he was the insurance department. One said he was the operations department, and then the other the other one said that he was the people department. And and I was trying to figure out the whole time, like, okay, like, but what is what is it? Like, what what's your product? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it you do? And and they were just mm-hmm. struggling so hard. And after a while, it was kind of like the work, you know, like like we talk in the workshop, where it's just like, all right, forget everything else we've talked about. Like, what? what's the thing you know like <laughs> just give it to me and and sure enough it was paint they mm. they developed this industrial paint that when you put it on <laughs> everything it makes everything safer safer it, it makes everything last longer it's more visible xyz mm-hmm. yada yada and i was like but you're in these different departments like what's what's the insurance department like you know what's the mm-hmm. What's the people department? Like, I didn't understand why these three gentlemen had separated themselves into these different departments. And they said, well, if you put the paint on the floor, you'll actually get insurance breaks because less people will slip and fall. And then the other guy was like, well, if you put the paint on the machinery, it lasts longer. And, and I was like, wait, so you split yourselves into different departments based on the benefits of this paint? And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah. So they had, they had split this company into like all these different departments just based on like what their paint dig. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, but at the end of the day, like you sell paint. So the story brand message is we make paint you can put all over your warehouse. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Right. And I was like, but why? So even if we fix the messaging, mm-hmm. they had set up their organization in such a strange, ridiculous way that like, even if like even fixing it now they had a bigger issue like the bigger issue is like we've created that what do i do with the sales guys in the different departments and we have different mm-hmm. operations and the the company was literally split into three things under one roof because they did paint like it just mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense and and i i tell this story because i i kept experiencing that over and over and over again that like fixing the messaging was a great first step but mm-hmm. implementing the messaging ended up breaking other things and ended up not really not really contributing to the success of the company yeah. because there were still a lot of other areas that were still broken and mm-hmm. some some even made it worse by fixing the messaging you know like you mm-hmm. said you know this messaging is going to work it sounds real great to say like we're going to be the best at this. We're you know we know mm-hmm. you're looking for, to solve this problem, so we're going to make it really easy to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But then they never actually stop and take the time to create that and and mm-hmm. and create that easy path for people to follow. So they just say it, but they right. don't actually tell anybody else about it. They don't tell the you know they don't change the process, and so this is this is where I I kind of felt like there's something else that needed to happen, and I think mm-hmm. my theory was is that that people were not having a holistic view of their organization, that people yeah. had a hard time visualizing the entire business, and it mm-hmm. felt good to change one part of the business. 
but but they just couldn't understand why like doing the right work and doing the right things was causing chaos and disruption in the other areas of their business. Yeah, and we're not just talking about like, oh, you fix your messaging and now you have this problem of just too many leads yeah. and that's what's causing the issue. It was yeah. it's actually like causing issues within an organization. Yeah, I, I mean, the simplest version of this that I've seen is the marketing department is in charge of the website. Yep. And they, the owner and the marketing folks get on the, get on a call with me. We work on their messaging. We update the website. And then the sales guys are like, yeah, that's not how we talk about our product. That's not like, <laughs> totally. and, and so now they have to adapt to the work that you've done. But if they weren't a part of the process, they may yeah. not buy into it as well. And, yeah. and all of that. Another, um, another side of that is like the sales team, you know, promises all of these things to the customer because they know it'll make their life better, but forgets to tell the operation team that like mm -hmm. the ops team has no clue that you're out there selling it this way and that they're supposed to be right. delivering it this way because you're just trying to do right by the customer and the ops team has no clue that you've promised all these things or yeah. even like, that's not what we do. Why are you, why are you selling this? This is not what we do. I, I've seen that over and over and over mm -hmm. again. The leadership team typically has a thousand foot 30,000 foot view of the organization mm -hmm. and sees the organization as a whole. But those that are inside the company have a tendency to be siloed because they're working in their department and their, in their operation, they're doing their work. And it can mm -hmm. be difficult to understand the other areas of the business if they're not talked about, communicated about, an adjustment happens over there, but it's not talked about over here. And that's where a lot of this chaos in organization in my perspective, comes from is making changes on individual corners, but not addressing it as a whole. I think you have sort of three or four main areas that you need to focus on. So yeah. we know that story brand is really, it's it's on like messaging. And I think you use the word positioning. Yep. Messaging and positioning, they're not exactly the same thing, but they're very, they're in the same quadrant. Yep. They're very, they're very closely related. When you mm -hmm. change your messaging, it affects how people see you, yep. your business in, in the marketplace, and that is positioning. Mm -hmm. Now, if, you, if you're doing it right, I think a lot of times you really know how you want to be positioned, and so you make the messaging do that work for you, but sometimes you do the messaging and it changes how you're perceived, and yeah. you don't realize that it's changed your position. So, yeah. all right, messaging and positioning in this corner, what are, what are the other two corners, yeah. or, or how, how do these all fit together? So messaging, so messaging, I, I put under the umbrella of positioning because positioning also includes the the customer groups that you're going after, the the types mm -hmm. of customers you're wanting to to serve. And so that you're right that positioning is just kind of the how how do I serve the the external outer? Mm -hmm. How do I how do I take my business externally? That's that's kind of yeah. your positioning. So the other the other quadrants or the other variables that we talk about are your people. These are the team that is needed to execute on this product. The people that you need inside of your organization to execute this to serve what I call the promise of the product. So in the mm -hmm. in the visual of it, it looks like a triangle. You've got your people up top, you've got your process in the bottom right-hand corner and your positioning in the bottom left-hand corner. And then what I do is I put the product right smack dab in the middle of this. Mm -hmm. So I've got, I've got a couple theories on product. I think product is very malleable and it, mm -hmm. it changes. And we create a product, we throw it out into the marketplace, and either the marketplace pushes back on us 
and changes the shape of that product mm. or by us changing these other three variables, we inevitably end up changing the shape of the product as well. So yeah. for me, product is more of a push and pull. It's more of at the center here. And we build these other areas of the business in order to support this product, in order to support mm -hmm. the promise of this product. So we've got people, process, positioning as the corners of our triangle with product in the middle there. When so you say product, it's not, it's not just like widgets or things that you create it it could be the way it's it's a ser if you're a service-based business your product is the service yeah. that you deliver if you're a consultant you know the the advice that you have yeah. and is is the is and, the product and you you might be the product as well and so right. you might put yourself in the middle of that and treat your and that's where again as as many consultants or people that are kind of based off of their likeness, their image, I think that's where one of the one of the areas that they mess up on is that they don't put themselves in the middle as this product. They mm. see themselves as all three. They see themselves as all these others, and it's it's they they have a kind of the wrong view of where to put themselves mm -hmm. in this triangle. They think they're at the top when really they are in the middle, and you need to think about all the other things around you of how to execute you as the product. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you've got these three these three points on a triangle that are yep. all affecting the the product. And mm -hmm. the, the thing that I'm like really interested in talking about today, because we mostly talk about messaging and story brand, yeah. is if if we start to change things mm -hmm. with the positioning and messaging, what what could go wrong? To do? Yeah, so I call it the law of the levers because with each of these corners, there's levers that you can pull to adjust these corners. And you have to pull these levers because change in business is inevitable. Either mm -hmm. the marketplace is going to change it for you or you decide we need to make these changes. But one thing is for certain, change is going to happen. So we've got this corner of positioning, which is where our marketing is included. And mm -hmm. what I would say is story brand is a tool that helps you pull the lever in the right direction. StoryBrain helps you recognize, okay, where do I need to pull this lever? Where do I need to move our positioning to, to better suit and better fit where we need it to be? Mm -hmm. The first thing that everyone needs to recognize and the first law of the le levers is that all these areas are connected. So mm -hmm. when the second law then is when you pull that lever and change one area, all the other areas are going to be dragged with it. Mm -hmm. So you naturally, by changing one area of the business, you naturally knock the other areas out of alignment because mm -hmm. it, it was set and established on a certain set of rules. You now have changed those rules. And so the way that you've set up the people, the way that you set up your processes were based on a different understanding. Mm -hmm. So if we move the lever of positioning and we change our marketing and we recognize, hey, we're no longer talking about ourselves, we're talking about our customer as the hero, well, we need to look at the people corner. Do the people mm -hmm. know this? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Have the people been trained on this concept? Ha do mm -hmm. the sales do the salespeople have a script that that focuses more on the hero and the story that the marketing team created? Do you have the right kind of people that are empathetic enough to be able to honestly mm -hmm. tell this story? If you've got a bunch of hard charging sales guys that just know how to beat people down and you know wear people <laughs> down enough to do the sale, and all of a sudden you're like, no, we're going to be empathetic. 
Like, right. do you have an empathetic team? Like, mm-hmm. hard questions to ask. So that's where, again, if it's easy to say we're going to change our messaging and the way we talk about it to this nice customer-forward narrative. But if you haven't gone back and trained your team on, like, what that means for them, mm-hmm. how they interact with the customers, like, what, what that means, then, again, the messaging says, one, a customer comes into the organization and now is introduced to a team that for, didn't get the memo and is no yeah. longer empathetic. So mm-hmm. that's kind of on the people's side, just a, an example of that. On the process side, same thing applies. You know what? We want to be, as an organization, we want to be the easiest to work with. You know, mm-hmm. we want a customer, when they make that decision to go with us, that, mm-hmm. you know, they blink once and all of a sudden they've got everything they need. Okay, yeah. that's that sounds great. That sounds fantastic. Right. Have you actually gone through the buying process step by step? And, and how mm-hmm. long does it take to become a customer? How many steps does it take? Well, it only takes three, you know, 35 steps to become a customer. But we're <laughs> going to be the easiest, smoothest, you know. We're, we're going to break it down to three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to tell you it's three steps. Yeah. But then once you get into the funnel it's or once 35. you talk to the sales guy, it's 35. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so that to me is just the most obvious and something I've seen time and time again of like you just borrow this language and this mm. tool of the three-step process but then you never actually look at your process and, and do the hard deep dive of what parts of our, our process are unnecessary. Yeah. Can we cut? Can we condense? If, if we're going to promise that it's a three-step process, how do we deliver that on the other end? And that's where most people fail is that like yeah. we, we say all these nice, wonderful things in our messaging, but then we never actually walk through it as a customer mm-hmm. to see if it's true. And that's where I just think, Companies end up lying to their customers, and that's what that's what the customer's feeling. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm being lied to. You sold me this rainbow and sunshine and, and ease of use, but right. honestly, you know, I like you, but it's still kind of frustrating. Yeah, it's interesting. There's there's almost a like an, an ethical component when it comes to the the messaging is hey it's if if you're a visionary business leader right yeah. you're aspirational and you have this idea of where your company is going yeah. and one of the easiest places to start is by putting it into words yeah. of like and and you have a tendency sometimes to say not just where you, you hope to be but like you you project yeah. something about your company that isn't yet true yeah. and i mean it with StoryBrand, right? It's all about like, let's make things simple and clear. If your process is actually complex and frustrating and you make it seem simple and clear, people are going to come in the front door and then they're going to go out the back door and they're going to write a bad review about you or they're going to have a bad experience and tell the wrong, you know, tell their, their friends that it, it wasn't a great, a great experience for them. And and you may be losing ground by you. I mean, if you're, if you're running, (laughs) you're running clients through your business really quick, but you're not holding onto them or creating that experience that you promise, like Mm -hmm. you said, um, you could actually be harming your, your company. Yeah. So you're just making yourself out to be a liar. And honestly, what's worse than getting the bad reviews is getting no reviews. That's even mm. worse. When you get a bad review, you can at least point towards, okay, what corner, you know, what corner have we missed? What corner is out of alignment? What corner have we mismanaged? Mm -hmm. Getting no reviews is, is the absolute worst because all you're seeing is customers 
come in, customers come out. They 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 hit the cash register. They gave you money. Mm-hmm. It it looks great. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's that's that I think is what is worse and what what the tendency of like having that really great kind of first experience but not delivering mm-hmm. it on the back end. People will leave not in anger but just in frustration. Yeah. You know, and then. Yep. That's like, yeah, I like them. I did some work with them. Are you going to go back? Nah, eh, we'll see. You know, like that's mm-hmm. that's even worse for you because then you'll never know and you'll never get that feedback loop of what it is that is out of alignment. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, this sounds great. Minor inconvenience for the business. We we do something with our messaging. It, it kind of messes up things a little bit on the people and process side. Yeah. Is it really like that big of a deal? Though you told me that you have stories of like the like when things really go wrong, yeah. that's that's the dirt that I really want yeah. to hear. So what is like what's the worst case scenario when you when you go ahead and you like make some big changes in mm-hmm. an area and and has some bad consequences? Well, I've got a couple, but there's one that I I enjoy not enjoy. I don't en- <laughs> I, I don't enjoy talking about it, but it was just kind of it's it's kind of the. The, you know, it's like the prototypical, yeah. like the, the archetype version of what, what can go wrong. So, so being in Nashville, we have a lot of health companies. We also are starting to get a lot of tech companies because tech and yeah. health go hand in hand together. And there was a startup in town that a friend of mine was chief product officer for. And this incredibly complex product in the mm-hmm. healthcare space, which if anyone's worked in the healthcare space knows that complexity doesn't even begin to describe <laughs> the rat's nest that is healthcare and trying to get things approved. And so, you know, what do you do? You bring story brand in, you simplify the mm-hmm. message. And so, you know, we, we came in and the CEO, I, I asked the question, so what is it you do? And the CEO took 45 minutes and a whiteboard mm-hmm. to explain to me what, what they did. And I said, well, you see, the problem here is if someone asks you that and there's not a whiteboard nearby, like, <laughs> we have an issue, right? So, yes. we so spent, they had a need, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. they needed to clarify. And sure. honestly, the product was amazing. It was before mm-hmm. – it was, it was a telehealth-type product before telehealth, you know, before COVID, before telehealth. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was an amazing product that, sold, that solved an amazing big need. And yeah. so we went through the process, we simplified the message, we clarified it, it was incredible, and the chief product officer went out to a convention the very next week, utilized mm-hmm. that new messaging, was able to secure some deals with that new messaging just from no whiteboard necessary, just able right. to talk <laughs> to some people. It got him into some conversations, and what ended up happening is that the chief product officer started generating more sales than the CEO and the sales team. So mm. they they created this amazing marketing engine, but they didn't attach that engine to anything else in the organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so marketing was generating all of this interest and and but the second they handed it over to the sales team and the CEO, everything kept dying. Mm. And so the the venture capitalists that were backing this saw this did not like that. And mm-hmm. so they ended up firing the CEO because he just 
for whatever reason, he couldn't close these leads. He, the process mm-hmm. and the people and and the process and people were not in alignment with the marketing and the messaging. And so this company just could mm-hmm. not get traction. They were losing all these leads. They just couldn't get it going. So they let go of the CEO and offered the CEO spot to my friend, who was the chief product officer, who he was like, I'm a product guy. I'm only here, you know, on contract mm-hmm. with you like nine months. Like, no, this is not for me. I don't want to be CEO. And so the venture capitalists, having no one to run this company, decide, well, let's just use this message to sell off the IP to someone else that can do something with this. <laughs> and so they shuttered the company, sold off yeah. the IP with this amazing messaging, and sold it to somebody else that could take it and run with it. And mm-hmm. so I use that as a cautionary tale of like, listen, yeah. story brand works. And if you're not ready to catch this stuff and you don't have your buckets in place and your systems in mm-hmm. place and your people all on board, like, man, it, you can you can fail from too much success and you can fail yeah. from not being ready on the other end of it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple lessons, I think, really to be to be learned there. I don't know. Was it was it an issue that the was the CEO not bought into the messaging or was he more like unaware of what was happening with it? What was the? Yeah. So in this particular instance, because it was a healthcare company, the CEO was a physician and they Mm -hmm. they the VC rightfully so thought that like having a physician at the head of this company would be mm-hmm. a great visual and a great way of like look even the guy leading the company is a doctor that's why this product works so incredibly well so yeah. the ceo just did not have the skill set of like mm-hmm. recognizing how to make these changes recognizing how to connect these things together because he was just from that complex world of healthcare and just kind of knew yeah how to do it his way and he liked what we had to offer like he mm-hmm. he was bought into the messaging and that that's the yeah. frustrating part for us of like mm-hmm. he was bought in he just didn't yeah. know what to do with it once they were once the customer was standing in the doorway he just didn't know what to do with them then and so that's yeah. where again that's why i call it the promise of the product mm-hmm. messaging is saying that promise out loud but your mm-hmm. people and your process are the rails by which that promise gets delivered. And so if you yeah. don't take the time to set up these other aspects of the business or change them, pull, you know, you're pulling the lever of positioning here. If you don't mm-hmm. adjust the levers of the other two as well, you're just out of alignment and you end up lying to your customers and you're not able to deliver on that promise. Yeah. So, you know, there's the the people side of things is mm-hmm. interesting i i don't know maybe not so much in this case but one thing i've noticed like a, a classic challenge with the people thing is if if you have a small team in an organization mm-hmm. run with the messaging but you don't get the the rest of the team on board with where you're going and why when i do when i do a lot of if i do a story brand workshop or mm-hmm. not workshop but like a strategy session i often like to start with with like an introduction and I tell I tell my client, all right, I want everyone with a voice yeah. or a vote or especially a veto to be in the room yep. for that first conversation to make sure that, you know, we can't have everybody work on the messaging. Mm-hmm. You know, death by committee, you know, it, it's not a it's not a great 
process, <laughs> going yeah. back to that, it's not yeah. a great process to involve all of the people, but yeah. you do need them to be bought in. And so having them at the beginning mm-hmm. so we get on the same page because you don't want to get down – you know, down the path three months and yeah. then someone, you know, is like, well, why are we doing it this way? Yeah. And, and you have to, you have to fight against the people within an organization yeah. ar- around something. Give me, do you have an example of maybe from one of the other corners? Like, mm-hmm. let's say you do something with process or, or people, like how does that affect what you need to do with messaging or, or what, what yeah. would be the, the relationship there? Absolutely. So we'll take a very topical topic right now with all these layoffs the layoffs mm-hmm. is yanking on that people lever. And again, I, I would even say even before all these layoffs, you know, companies were overcorrecting with that lever and peopling up their organization because mm-hmm. unlimited money, this thing's a rocket ship. It's never going to stop. Let's go ahead and, and throw all these people into it. Mm-hmm. So right now we're in these layoffs. And so we're adjusting that people lever. And sometimes it's necessary, but we're adjusting mm-hmm. that people lever. So the thing that we need to look at is positioning and process then. First of all, mm-hmm. with the process, process is easy. You built out a delivery method based on that number of people you had to deliver the product. Mm-hmm. And so the very first thing that you need to do after laying off any number of people in your organization is go back and do kind of a post-mortem on the processes. Mm-hmm. All right, we typically would operate this way with this amount of people, with these people at the helm. What now, where are the gaps? What now needs to be true to still deliver? To What do we need to change process-wise to meet this new level of people that we've got? Because the assumption is you haven't changed your messaging. Yeah. You haven't changed the promise yeah. that you're you, – you've changed your ability to deliver it because you have fewer yep. people. <laughs> if you don't address the process, yep. it's just going to fail. And so the promise, again, like you said, is, is yeah. going to be a lie. Yeah. <laughs> is So the hypothetical is let's say you as an organization promise a seven-day turnaround on this deliverable, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you have to cut your team by 30% just because that's where you're at. Well, if you're still promising this seven-day turnaround with 30% less people, all you're going to do is stress yourself, your customer, everybody else. You're going to put unnecessary pressure on the processes because you you haven't adjusted your positioning lever. And, mm-hmm. and I think this is where people are like, well, uh, you know, We've always promised a seven-day delivery. There's there's no way we could change that mm-hmm. now. And so we we have to work overtime. We have to try harder to – and I just don't think – I don't think customers are like that. I think if you adjusted yeah. it from a seven-day to a nine-day because there, there's a new truth, you know, like we've got mm-hmm. a, a smaller number of people. Our processes can't handle like this as it is right now. So we're moving from seven day to nine day in order to make sure we can still deliver the same quality. That's what I mean by like, if you're gonna pull the lever of people, move some people around, adjust some people up or down, you need to first look at your processes to make sure, okay, in this new reality Mm -hmm. of our business, how do Mm -hmm. we still deliver? What does it look like to still deliver on that? And then on the promise side, you you made all of these marketing promises when everything was awesome. What mm-hmm. what are some of those adjustments that need to be made on the positioning side, so that way you can bring the business back into balance and still be able to deliver on all of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, just keeping on kind of the timely 
theme, the thing I think about is what's happening with Twitter right yeah. now, right? Like Elon Musk is he's pull, he pulled that people lever, lever hard, yep, and it resulted in a whole bunch of bad press, you know, from yep. bitter employees and whatever, and and now they're they're changing a lot of a lot with the product and and mm-hmm. I'm sure the process of how the product gets delivered yeah. and and maintained on all that, and the piece that feels really missing in this whole puzzle is updated and and clear messaging around like why are we doing this how is it going to make the your lives better yeah you know all all of that stuff i i feel like i i don't know i'm not a i'm not a believer really like I, i'm real skeptical about the direction twitter's going but but it's because i i don't have uh i don't have an aspirational or yeah. even clear message about like why are we doing this other than it seems like it's you know it's a little bit you know this guy's you know whim yeah. here and there shiny object syndrome so stuff. so let's run that out so we've got we've got the people lever elon buys twitter and he realizes that the vc was you know shredding dollar bills holding this thing afloat <laughs> right. and now he's on the hook for all of that and he doesn't want to spend any more money than what he's already spent so he spent a lot because <laughs> he spent a lot of money So the first obvious thing, because Twitter is essentially computers, people, and code, you know, he's only got a couple levers to pull, so he yanks hard on the people lever. It's the only thing Mm -hmm. that he can, the only physical thing he can see to pull on. Right Mm -hmm. or wrong, that's what he's got. got, (laughs) I've got opinions about that, but he's pulled that lever. So the positioning of Twitter is like safe, secure space that's moderated and we make sure that that all the bad actors are taken care of and that what you see in your feed is the stuff that you want to see that that is not wasting your time full of bots and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Okay, well, you just yank hard on the people lever. And so those thousands of people that were moderating all this content are no longer there. And mm-hmm. so there is going to be a, a time period where you have to adjust your processes and, and how, do we, how do we moderate the world's internet traffic with 10% of the people that mm-hmm. were moderating it before. So honestly, you're kind of left with this hard decision of like our positioning needs to change and the fact of like we can no longer promise this clean, timely timeline. We just mm-hmm. can't promise that anymore. And this would never happen, but you would almost have to come out and say, listen, there's going to be a short period of time where everything's kind of a mess because Mm -hmm. it was a rat's nest and we have to unravel it in order to make it better. So bear bear with us and help us out and report the bad actors and we need you as, you know, the Mm -hmm. user to help us out. There could have been that kind of a messaging, but instead he chose to, to stick with the positioning lever of don't worry nothing will change everything's right. gonna be the same i'm just mm-hmm. over here yanking these levers over here <laughs> and right. that, now on the process side of it he's yanking that lever by diving into the the code and the algorithm and how mm-hmm. twitter works and he's changing yep. twitter blue he's changing the back yeah. end of it so he's he's now changing and pulling the process lever and so honestly i think Twitter just needs a new message of what is Twitter. It, yeah. You bought it. You've made all these changes. You had the money. You're doing all, all that. Mm-hmm. I think we just need a reassessment of like what this platform is and what it's supposed to be and do from Elon and Twitter, right? Like, yeah, I know what well, I want it to be, but like, what are you making? Here? Right. But 
what what happens is people fill in their own message. Yeah. Then they make up like they're they make up ideas of what's happening. You know, yeah. Elon. It, you know, they they attribute political motivations or capitalistic greedy right. motivations, whatever it is, because there's not that uh, that other message to to grab hold of. Like you need something that is that is believable, yeah. that is reasonable, yeah. that is like. I mean, I don't. We all we all know that companies. Politicians, organizations, they, we all – here's the dirty truth, right, about yeah. marketing is that it is it is intentional and we don't – we show our best face, right? right? Like, right. And, and people need that though to believe in the product because there's, there's a lot of the psychology of when people expect good things yep. from a product, yep. they experience good things. But like, if, you, like you said, if you don't when, give them that message <laughs> – When that messaging is not there, we, we assert our own expectation – we make our own conclusion into that messaging and positioning. And then this just mm -hmm. goes back to the promise of the product. When mm -hmm. you don't say the promise of the product out loud, the customer makes their own assumption about what that promise should be. And then mm -hmm. you have these unmet expectations when you're yes. not delivering on that, on that promise. Mm -hmm. So there is, this is why the right words and messaging and everything are so important because if you don't control the narrative about what the promise of the product is, customers mm -hmm. will make that assumption. And then when you don't deliver it for all the right reasons, they're going to be disappointed because it didn't, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. I, I thought it was supposed to be this right. way and you delivered something else. And I know we're kind of like dogging on Twitter right now, but like <laughs> this is Adobe with Figma this yeah. is any company that has bought up any other company, any kind of merger, you know, StoryBrand uses the Domino's example all the time. Like this mm -hmm. is Domino's changing their stuff. Like this is again, like I said, change is just inevitable. And if you if you don't make the adjustments to these corners, to mm -hmm. these variables, people process position, if you don't make these adjustments, you're right. Customers then just start telling their own story about what these pieces tied together mean yeah and then get confused about like why is this even here what like i'm not sure what i'm supposed to do with this anymore story brand is is a really powerful tool and it's best used i i think in conjunction with a with a larger business strategy yep. i was talking to someone earlier this week about you know a, a piece of software is not going to solve a people or a process issue. Like yeah. if you haven't figured out how you're going to use it, it's not they're just it's not a magic bullet. The same thing is true about StoryBrand. Is yeah. that it's it's a really powerful tool in your toolbox, but it can't be the only thing that you're going to rely on to fix your company. Absolutely. You know, small versions of that are like, you know, you could you could fix your messaging on your website, but if you don't have any traffic yeah. or if you have a terrible product, yeah. Or or really bad design, like the messaging still isn't going to be able to overcome those other those other problems, and so there are other things you need to address. Mm -hmm. I think a, a mistake that sometimes people make is they read a really compelling book and they think, oh, thank goodness I've finally found the singular solution yeah. to all of my problems because yeah. this is just speaking my language. And I think that story brand for a lot of people is that kind of book right. where it's it's. It's kind of mind blowing the first time people read it, mm -hmm. and it and it feels like oh this is the only thing that's missing from from my yeah. from my business and my life. But but the reality is it's a really great 
piece of the puzzle, but it's not the only piece. Mm-hmm. I, I've worked with a lot of organizations who, for example, use EOS as mm-hmm. their you know their company system, and then when they get to that you know marketing rock at some point, they go out and they find StoryBrand, and it like plugs in really well. And I, I see a lot of success with those companies because they're addressing those other areas with that system. Exactly. And StoryBrand comes in and it's and it's like it is another piece to fit into that puzzle. Yeah. What what is your advice to businesses if they're if they're implementing StoryBrand, like what are the other things that they like how do they do or address those those other things? Yeah, so I I totally agree. And again, like I was a StoryBrand guide for five years, did the workshops, did all the things. And the reason why I came up with a lot of the levers with my other friends is is that very point of that mm-hmm. I, after doing story brand and helping people for so many years, I kind of just felt like story brand was a great number two step. It, it was a terrible mm-hmm. number one step. If you mm-hmm. don't know who your character is, if you don't know what your three-step plan is, if you're not clear on what your product is, what you want for the there's a lot of assumption. There's a lot of things like that you pre-work. need to work. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of pre-work you need to kind of have figured out before you write this stuff down. And we can create some really great scripts that talk about the absolute wrong thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you've experienced this many times where it's like, we work and we we work with a client and we're making this incredible brand script and and the messaging is just awesome and then we find out it's like 10% of their business and there's this whole like mm-hmm. 90% over here that they're like yeah that's fine storybrand really is a fantastic tool and i don't fault it for being written in such a way that says this one thing will solve your business i mean i've got a ton of books here and here and there's a whole stack over here you've got a ton (laughs) of books on your shelf and i'm sure many of the listeners like us have hundreds of these books and they're Mm -hmm. all written the same way there's one thing that's missing from your business and this one book will show you how to fix your whole business by fixing this one thing Mm -hmm. i just I'm over that. I, I just doesn't, mm-hmm. it's true and untrue at the same time. You know, like you yeah. said, traction is fantastic. But if you don't, if you don't get the messaging right, if you don't kind of get the people right, a great example of this, Adam Alter just wrote an article on LinkedIn a couple days ago. And he initially wrote an article back in 2008 talking about how open floor concepts were going to be mm-hmm. the wave mm-hmm. of the future for businesses. He just wrote an article a couple of days ago saying I was wrong because <laughs> logically process wise an open floor concept and breaking down those barriers and, and getting everyone to crash together more often. And that logically makes a lot of sense. So your process lever here, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But what he wrote in his new article a couple days ago is that he realized that he kind of forgot the people part of this Mm -hmm. and that not everybody works the same way and not everybody likes crashing into others. And you've got extroverts Mm -hmm. and introverts and you've got the genius model system from Lencioni. Mm -hmm. You've got the disc model. So everyone is completely different. And that by switching to this open floor concept, we actually kind of created some more chaos and Mm -hmm. it was kind of a wash of, you know, we fixed some things, but broke a lot of other things. And I think Mm -hmm. the same is true in whenever a business leader picks up a new book, a new tool, a new model, 
and mm-hmm. and reads it as this one thing will fix everything, runs out and applies it, and then when things break or or don't work out the way that the book promised, you know, the leader's like, this was a waste of time. You know, my other business partner, he he consults on disc and personality mm-hmm. and and the people. And numerous organizations after working with him were like, you know, we did this disc thing. It was fun for a few months, but we didn't really see any results on the back end of it. Mm-hmm. And we we asked the question like, okay, you taught everyone how to communicate more clearly, work more efficiently. Did the tools and systems that you use to communicate, did they become more effective? Like, did you actually change yeah. any of your process? You know, you got people mm-hmm. all hyped up that they could cl- communicate more clearly with their customers mm-hmm. and each other. But you never changed anything about the business to allow that communication to happen. Right. And so this is where I think this is where I think that these tools and systems that we read and find and come across and even a lot of the levers, it's just mm-hmm. one piece of several things that need to be in concert with each other. And none of them are going to be the silver bullet. None of them yeah. are going to be the one thing that fixes everything. Business is just constant a constant pursuit. We mm-hmm. moved over here and the market shifted. The people mm-hmm. changed, the expectations changed, internally things have changed, externally things have changed. You're constantly moving left and right, finding new mm-hmm. ways, and that is the journey and the pursuit. It's never about all right, we've implemented one more thing and now we're done. That's it. Yeah. And these books are just written in a way because they've got to sell these books. Hey, mm-hmm. this one thing will do it. And it just, it doesn't. It, I've never found it to work like that. And I think, again, looking at the business holistically from all these angles, all these areas, helps yeah. you see why, oh, yeah, you know, we spent a lot of effort implementing traction, but mm-hmm. we kind of forgot the people part of it. And then we also definitely forgot the positioning side of it. Mm-hmm. And so there was no way traction was going to work because we didn't set up any of the other stuff to function. So that's, and we could go on and on for days of every (laughs) single system, even story brand of you can do story brand the right way and still not execute well without taking a look at these other areas. It'll be interesting to see, you know, they have the business made simple model, you know, their airplane model and and things like that. And that's in some ways it's trying to address some of this problem. I think Mm -hmm. like, how do we, how do we deal with the different parts of, of a business. Yeah. It's a, to me, I, I feel like it's still a little bit early days. Yeah. Story brand as as a book was was really revolutionary. And I think the business made simple system has a little bit more competition. Yeah. There's other folks that have done, you know, good things. But the other piece of it is that, you know, you mentioned internally things change. Like I, I think you find yourself as a business leader mm-hmm. at different times in your life and and as culture and the market changes, different Tools, books, ideas are really powerful. Yeah, you know a lot. Of, a lot of people still look to like the E Myth book yeah. as like a really important one, but it's but it's not like that's the only book on right. anyone's shelf, right? Right, exactly. like that that answers a lot of questions, but but it doesn't. It's not everything, and sometimes you just need a little different perspective, a mm-hmm. different framing of it for you to understand and to make to make progress yeah. in your own business or as your yourself as a business leader. Yeah, and and that's that's why I that's why we came up with law of the levers and why we're positioning it this way because we believe that you can honestly mix and match all these mm-hmm. different systems 
with Law yeah. of the Libras. I, yep. I wrote on my LinkedIn, like, I'm not trying to compete with anyone. I'm not pushing right. any of these other guys out. I'm just trying to help clarify and make sense of, like, why you need these things. Or if you implemented these things and it didn't work, yep. like, why didn't it? So what I would tell people is, here's what I would do. Start with, like, a Stratop and use your favorite Stratop system. Mine is the mm-hmm. four helpfuls. I like the right, wrong, missing, confused. Mm-hmm. I, I borrowed it from Lynchini. And run through these corners and do the right, wrong, missing, confused on each of these corners. Mm. What's right, wrong, missing, confused about our positioning? What's right, wrong, missing, confused about our people? What's right, wrong, missing, confused about our process? If you want to go deeper with it, we Mm -hmm. say that there's two sides of the same coin. There's external people, process, and positioning. And then there's internal people, process, positioning. Mm. We've talked a lot of the external, but internal people... That's like your HR team, that's your support team, that's your ops team. Your internal mm-hmm. processes are the way that you operate with each other versus external processes of how do we get people in the door. And then internal positioning, this is your mission statement, your vision. Who are mm-hmm. we to our people? Who are we as an organization? Who are we as a brand? And I think I think some people would be shocked of like you did the external, you know, you did the exercise externally, and you're like, we're great, everything, everything's green light, mm-hmm. everything's good to go. But I think if you ask those same questions internally, run through that same exercise, your favorite strat up exercise, and go, okay, internally, oh yeah, you know, we don't we don't work great with each other, you know, like we work great mm-hmm. individually, but we don't work great with yeah. each other. And then our mission statement and vision, you know, we wrote that 15 years ago and we don't even sell the same product anymore. And yet, so again, this brings up the reason Mm -hmm. why you need mission statement made simple, why you need communication made simple, because there are tools in these different corners to help you figure out how to bring all of this into balance and alignment again. And so that's, that's what I typically recommend and how we work with people is like, all right, let's do a strat op, but let's look at these corners. You know, I think mm-hmm. I think companies hate strat ops because they don't know where to start. They don't know where to look at. It's like name your three big rocks. Mm-hmm. Okay, what kind of rocks? I don't, you know, like I think that's <laughs> right. I, I hear all the time they're like strat ops are useless because we talked about a lot of stuff for two days and then nothing changed. And <laughs> so again, that's kind of a process problem there, right? So look at the corners of your business. You've got people, yeah. process, positioning. Flip it external and internal. Grade yourself on what's right, wrong, missing, confused. And then like Lincioni says with this mm-hmm. exercise, you take a step back and look look for the threads throughout. Look for those kind of cohesive threads that are like, oh, you know what? A couple years ago, we made this decision. And making that one decision through five out of six areas out of alignment. Yeah. Do we walk that decision back or do we do the hard work of adjusting all five corners? And I think that's yeah. what we, at the end of all of this, that's what we say. You're going to have to choose discomfort. Mm-hmm. Either you, you pull the lever and that was the wrong lever to pull and you got you to gotta take it back. Or mm-hmm. you pull the lever, it's knocked everything out of alignment, and now you got to do the hard work of bringing everything back into alignment. And yeah. so I think choosing that discomfort at least just, you know, showcases and clarifies the work to be done and then you as a team just have to decide like is it worth it to do this or do we just sit in this discomfort until the next thing changes so yeah i i i imagine you could almost have like a stack of books 
in each corner, right? Like you've got your people books, you got your process books, you got your positioning books, and and you got to put together I, the 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 visual that came to my mind was like a like guitar effects pedals, yeah, right? Exactly. Like business made simple is like the multi effects system. Yeah, it's like got all the pieces yeah. that you need. It's all in like one one thing, so you could put together your business using using that, yeah. or you can go out and buy the really like nice specifically tailored pedals right. for your specific needs and, and put something together. I think right now, like if I was to if I was to kind of identify in my three corners, it's the the six working the six types of working genius yep. is in that people corner. That's Absolutely. kind of the one we're using right now. Yeah. Story brand is still pretty strong for us in the messaging. And then, you know, we've been trying to implement some of the traction stuff. Yeah. You know, that might be a great combo for someone to, to use, you know, three different perspectives to deal with these things individually. Yeah. I mean, there's probably some product books right in the middle as well, but yeah. Um... And then you've even got <laughs> books that kind of straddle in between, right? So then you've uh-huh. even got some things that connect and this is this will be a podcast for another time, but you can even go deeper and start talking about the combos of these. You've yeah. got you've got your external positioning and your external process, and that is your mm-hmm. customer journey. So yep. that is, as Sarah Beckman calls it, the jobs to be done, figuring out mm-hmm. the jobs to be done for your customer, and how do we build a process and a customer journey that combines our promise with the actual process of getting them in the door. You've got combos of people in process. Okay, do our mm-hmm. people know how we actually sell things? Do our people know what our selling process looks like? Have we mm-hmm. built them a system to generate that sale? If not, like we need a sales system. So, I mean, you can go deeper with this yeah. in the combos. And like you said, then find the book, the tool, the system that you can attach to that corner or that combo of corners that help you make those adjustments. And again, mm-hmm. not all the not all the combos will work for everybody. Find a combo right. that works for you. And if something doesn't work, chuck it and go find mm-hmm. something else. Because again, these books, while they say like ours is the only system, there's yep. a ton of great systems out there. And it's really about finding, like you said, that effects pedal combo that gets you that sweet sound. And yeah. then is is something that you can always kind of lean back on when you need to make those adjustments. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, maybe this is encouraging too. I think there are probably some folks who tried to implement StoryBrand and it it didn't work for them, and they think, oh man, something's wrong with StoryBrand. Like that was it was it's yeah. a nice idea, but it doesn't work in practice. Well, it, it might be that that wasn't the issue. Like there's yeah. there's other issues in your company, and you know if you're able to resolve some of those other pieces, you come back to the messaging pay, piece in you know. 10 months or, you know, whatever, you might be in a much better place to really benefit from doing that work because you've addressed some of these underlying issues. And I would say like my, the thing I've seen most often with that is story brands not working for you. Go, Mm -hmm. go to your people or your process. Either you've got some dynamics on your team that like no amount of messaging can fix like yep. you need to sit down and have some family talk and you need to discuss like you might have a bad apple on your team that's just ruining everything it's just souring mm-hmm. the punch nothing you do with your messaging will fix that or like we've been talking about over and over again your processes may just be terrible you may have a gap mm-hmm. you may have too many frictions do a friction audit walk through it as a customer does this make sense if you if you grab an outsider's opinion and they tell you that your product lineup doesn't make sense, 
I don't understand this. I don't understand this combination of products. I don't mm. understand this combination of products and what you're trying to like. How do I fit into this? What what's this? E- this ecosystem doesn't make sense. You know, that's part of the process of like what mm-hmm. what does our product lineup look like? How do we make money with it? How does this? How does this make sense for us? And you might need to simplify. Like you might just yeah. need to cut and let a few things go. Matt, I know you've done that with your own agency. You've you've made some decisions, but in yep. making those decisions, you've pulled that lever in order to help you then make easier lever pulls with your positioning, right? Because yeah. I want to make this pull with the lever on positioning, but right now my processes and my people mm-hmm. won't allow me to do that. So I'm going to have to make some difficult decisions so that way I can make this true over here. And I think yeah. knowing, being aware of that and, and just kind of knowing that those things exist, I think, can help a lot of people make those decisions with confidence. Yeah. I mean, if you if you really want to, I think, go down the, if you're really bought into StoryBrand, mm-hmm. one of the best things I think you can do is think about how can you simplify your business model. If oh, you're yeah. going to simplify your messaging, like simplify your business model too. Like yep. that's, and then... And then it simplifies how your people deliver it and, you know, what they need to know and do. I know that's been true for me. You know, this is, again, a whole nother podcast. You know, we could just dive into what, what's happened with my business. But yeah. by simplifying what we offered, we yep. were able to clarify our messaging. And then it made it so much easier for our people to deliver on that promise because we weren't doing a lot of things. We were doing mm-hmm. a few – we do a few things well. Yep. And that's, so, yeah, that's an I example of where the shape <laughs> the shape of the product pushes those corners, adjusts those corners, and then you mm-hmm. have to take a step back and look at it and say, okay, what is what is this thing now? You know, I've and this yep. is we could talk about this another time, but this is actually how Amazon figures out their stuff. They mm. actually adjust the corners first and then take a step back and go, what what product what yeah. product shape would need to exist to have these corners in alignment? That's mm-hmm. how they figured out Amazon Web Service. That's how they figured out Alexa. They kind of just played around with these corners and then said, like, what what product would fit these corners? And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the journey you've gone through, that I've gone through, that lots of people have gone through of, like, hey, the product we're trying to deliver, these corners, we can't get them to fit. All right, mm-hmm. let's reimagine the shape of this thing. If these corners were to be in alignment, what kind of a product would that look like? And I think yeah. also that's just great for entrepreneurs as well of just like if you're starting a new thing, man, think through these corners first because mm-hmm. you only think of the the product and the positioning and everything sounds great until you try to scale it. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I I'm loving this conversation. I We could keep going forever. I don't know if people who are listening to this podcast want to listen, you know, for three hours. So we'll, we should wrap it up and maybe we have, we'll have to continue it another time. Nathan, where, where can people find out about the law of the levers and, and get more information about you and, and this idea? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. I've been writing about Law of the Levers on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Nathan Riches is where you can find me. If you look at the hashtag Law, Law of the Levers, you can see all my posts about that. That's where I've been kind of dumping all my thoughts and working out the messaging of all of this. Mm-hmm. And if you also go to lawofthelevers.com slash template, 
I actually have a worksheet that if you want to look at the framework and start thinking through, okay, if we pull this lever, write out the secondary effects of what that would cause and mm -hmm. start thinking through, okay, here's what we would need to do to adjust all that. Um, I've got a free template on lavalevers.com slash template. Cool. Nathan, thank you for being on the Words First podcast. We'll, we'll have to connect again soon. Absolutely, Matt. This was fun. All right. This has been the Words First podcast. You should like and subscribe it. Find it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. And we'll see you next time.